We've been talking about the laws and principles that governs the kingdom. We, I mean, I, I believe God is really unveiling in this environment something that's been missing in the body of Christ so, so deeply. And I mean, well-meaning people that love the Lord, but ignorant. Say ignorant. And see, ignorant doesn't mean you're stupid. It means you just don't know something. And we got to get past that. And then we got to put on our desire to learn. Because once sometimes we get past a certain age, I mean, even children, you, you put so much, you try to get them to go to another level, and they get bogged out because they're tired. The brain they got a brain fog. I don't understand people. When it's time to grow, you have to learn. Learning is growth. And the less you know, the more you are a prey, a P-R-E-Y, to the devil. So you might want to write down these things that uh, I'm going to share. These are just nuggets. The greatest gift God sent to earth was a kingdom, not a religion. God did not establish any, say any, religion. He sent a kingdom. The greatest need of mankind was a kingdom, a new government. That was mankind's greatest need. The greatest message ever taught by Jesus was about the kingdom. Jesus taught on the kingdom. Mm. The most stable kingdom on the earth is the kingdom of God. Number five, these are all nuggets. You can just write them down. The kingdom is the practical spiritual influence of God in our daily lives. In other words, living under the laws of another government. That's, that's what the kingdom is here to do. I, I'm taking this so you can get little nuggets that we have already taught without having to go and recap everything. The kingdom isn't coming. It is already here. Amen. As long as you postpone something, you can't live in it now. You need to write that down. Because as long as you postpone something, you can't live in it now. Ooh. God is always, say always, in the now. And if you put it off as a future thing, then you can't have it now. When God designed for us to be in the now. Ooh, Jesus. And you can find that reference in Hebrews 11.1. 1. So we live in a practical spiritual kingdom. The most important power on the earth is the kingdom of God. You know, we go, I'm trying to get some things fixed. I want, I'm trying to reshape your philosophy. This is why I keep giving you these nuggets. Because you can take them home, and if you say it enough, it'll reroute your philosophy. So how do kingdom influence territory? How does the kingdom of God influence any territory? It is, they influence by principles. Say principles. Now I'm leading up to something because I am recapping without giving you the same information the same way. The philosophy and principles of a kingdom produces a culture and social conditions. Hmm. How many of y'all remember what a philosophy is? It's the way you think. 
That's all philosophy is, the way you think about everything. And from philosophy and principles, a kingdom influences culture. Hmm. In other words, a kingdom produces a certain kind of society based on the philosophy of the king. When you're living in a kingdom, not, not a prime minister, not a president, we live in a kingdom. As Christian citizens, we live in a kingdom, not in a democracy. We need to get that right. The kingdom of God is not democratic. You don't get to vote in the kingdom of God. You may not like it, then you need to go back to where you come from. You don't have anything else but religion. Remember, religion is the alternative government in the earth. And in religion system, you can vote, you can do anything you want to do in that system as long as they allow you to do it. Because, you know, they still got rules and regulations. Because every government has them. <laughs> mm -hmm. I know I'm coming out of the gate strong. I know, I know. I'm fooled. I told you I was fooled this morning. So based on the king, or the philosophy of the king, and then the values that come from his philosophy creates principles by which the citizens live. Hmm. I'm trying to reshape you for kingdom living. And the citizens' life produce what we call culture. Hmm. Constitution, our, our constitution is exactly like that. It is the philosophy of the people being documented to create values and morals to produce a social environment that becomes our culture. Now, I want, you to, I want you to write down this point because remember this. When you take a philosophy and put it into your constitution, you're about to produce a culture. When you take an idea and make it your idea, you're getting ready to produce a culture. And sometimes your culture is stronger than the word of God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because it's so ingrained in you. Sodom and Gomorrah was a culture. <laughs> because in their constitution, there was a belief system that allowed for homosexuality. It was normal. And it didn't matter that it was against the word of God. It was normal in their culture. Oh, Jesus. So it didn't matter even when the angel came. They wanted the angel because that was their culture. <laughs> culture is dangerous when it comes to the word of God. So a kingdom influences through philosophy principles, which are simply laws. And these laws create a belief system that becomes a lifestyle. Remember, as a man thinks, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, let's do it right. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So your philosophy is your way of thinking that creates you. 
You are what you think about you. Okay. You say you're going a long way around. This is why Jesus came preaching and teaching repentance. Not born again, repentance. What is repentance? Somebody tell me because I know I taught you. Change the way you think. That's, that's what repentance means. It's to change the way you think. Jesus said that's the only way you're going to have access to the kingdom of God is that you change the way you think. You can be born again and never, ever access the things of God because of the way you think. And if you think God needs you to struggle to get it, you're going to struggle to get it and may never get it because that's not God's way. Mm. So repent does not mean to come to the altar and cry about your past. You're asking for forgiveness. That's forgiveness. That's getting born again. Repent means get up and do something about the way you think. It's called mind renewal, according to Romans 12, 1 and 2. And it's mandate. Say mandate. It's a mandate of the constitution of the kingdom of heaven, that you change your mind in order to access the kingdom. <laughs> it's in the constitution of the kingdom of heaven. Woo, Jesus. Why? Because unless you change your philosophy, you cannot enter. How many of y'all remember what the word enter means? It means you can't explore or you can't discover all that's been provided for you in the kingdom. The, there are laws that govern the kingdom. You know, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. Okay. There are laws that govern the kingdom. You, it's just not toss it up in the air and something happened because you're born again. Or toss it up in the air and just quote a scripture and Kalamazoo is going to happen. No, there are principles that must be abide, but you must abide by those laws of the kingdom or else you won't get. And what we'll do, we will rewrite the word. We will rewrite this Bible and say it wasn't the will of God that we have it because you don't know how to get it, or we will say, it's not my time, or, or the Lord didn't give, because you didn't get what you desired. Then you say, well, the Lord know what I needed. Liar, liar, pants on fire. You're just lying on God. It's because you don't know. So you're ignorant in this area. You just don't know. Come to terms with that. You don't know. So then you accuse God of not giving you something that you desire when he said he would give you. Now that means he's going to put some desires in you that he wants to manifest through you. But if he gave you desires, then why wouldn't he bring them to pass? It's because you don't know the law that governs that part of you. Hmm. Jesus taught repent for the kingdom is at hand. 
In other words, get a new philosophy, which will produce new principles, creating a new culture that will produce a new society. That's what God is after. He's after a new society of people. The intent of the kingdom of God is to create a new society on earth, not in the sweet by and by, but right now. See, a lot of y'all already, you, you just give up on things because you think you're going to get it in the sweet by and by. Listen, it's a lot of people that made it to heaven, praise the Lord, but they're sitting in kindergarten. Learning what I'm teaching you right now. Because they wouldn't engage in learning on the earth. Where they would have some rank in the kingdom when they get up there. <laughs> in case you didn't know it, there is rank and file in the kingdom of God. All right. All right, you still learning? You all right? Okay. We are supposed to be a people so different in our thinking, which produces our behavior. See, the way people act out is because of the way they think. You're quick tipper because of the way you think. It's something down inside of you that you haven't learned about yourself yet that make you be quick temper. Because can't nobody make you mad. Can't nobody make you mad. Mad is already in you. And you haven't learned the law to make yourself not get mad. It's called engaging in peace. The Bible said, let the peace of God rule your heart. <laughs> he said, let the peace of God rule your heart. Hmm. And see, we're supposed to be so different in our thinking, which produces our behavior, that people uh, should be able to identify us, not by our tone in the Bible, not by wearing a, a lapel pin, not by a T-shirt, not even by the bumper sticker on your car. But they should know you because of your language. You don't talk like them. Your language is supposed to be different. You're from another country. You ever talk to a foreigner from another country? Their language is not English as a rule. And even if they speak English, there's an accent right away that you know they are not from Virginia or Chesapeake or South Carolina or North Carolina. How many of you know? Every, every uh, state got a different dialect. If you go to New York, they got a slur about certain words that they say that we don't pronounce. And you go, when you go further in, they say, somebody might say, they say, we say root, and they might say rut. That's a dialect. But you know they're not from here because of what? The language. We're supposed to talk different, not come in agreement with the world, but talk different. Mm. Our attitude under pressure is supposed to be different than theirs. How we handle disappointment is supposed to give us away. <laughs> You're not supposed to cave in like them. You're from the kingdom of God. Ooh, Jesus. Where are we going to stop 
telling ourselves like the world tell you. You know, you got to just keep talking out your grief, keep talking out your grief. And I mean, three years down the road, you're still talking out your grief. All you're doing is making your grief a priority instead of getting the word of God and let joy. See, if you talk more joy, grief will go away. Yeah, no, because I got I, I'm I'm giving you a preface before I get to the point that I really want to make. I, I'm I'm trying to rearrange something inside of you by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God really wants to, because He's looking for a different culture. We're supposed to be a separated, set aside, peculiar people. <laughs> Our whole life is supposed to be different from the world. We are supposed to sound, look. Act like Jesus because of the principles of the kingdom that we live by. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 13. Let me get my Bible there. Matthew 13, verse 1. When you have it, say, I have it. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the seaside, and the great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, say parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow, and when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, yeah, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But others fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now, the, but the... Verse 10 is what I really want to get at. Because the disciples came to him and said, why speak in parables unto the people? Why are you talking in the parables like that? <laughs> it's a reason. Ooh, Jesus. Why do you talk to the people in parables? Because Jesus said, it's given unto you to know. It's given unto you to know. It's called the cutting edge. It's given unto you to know. So in other words, uh, he says, but it is given, look at verse 11. I'm going to read it, then I get my notes. Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. See, see, the kingdom. He didn't say the mysteries of Christianity or the mysteries of any kind of denomination. He said the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it is not given. For whosoever have, to him shall be given. And he shall have more abundance. But whosoever have not, from him shall be taken away, even that he have. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they see and see not, and hear and they hear not, neither do they understand. What is Jesus saying unto them? He's saying, listen, I can't give you something you never asked for. 
So what is the plan of a parable? The plan of a parable is to deposit something in you without revealing the truth to you. The truth, a person pursue the truth because they're hungry for the truth. And that's why he talked in parables. Because he said in sin they won't see. Because why? There's no hunger for it. Mm. Got to hear this, this, this. We're getting a little bit deeper now. So God cannot give you something you never asked for. God can't pretend. If he gave you something you didn't ask for, he would be pretending that you asked for it. And he is not the pretender. Remember that show? How many of y'all remember the pretender? And he pretended to be everything. I mean, from a doctor right on down to a mechanic, he pretended to be everything. So God, can, God needs your asking to release his power to give it to you. Mm. I know. God needs your asking to release. See, I'm teaching you kingdom laws right now. These are kingdom laws. God's not going to give you something you're not willing to ask him for. And you need to stop saying, well, God knows what I need. He said, you have not because you don't what? You don't ask. That's why you don't have it. Because you're figuring he need, you know he knows what I need. <laughs> How many of y'all ran up on some snags with that uh, belief? And then you want to blame God for what you got. God needs your asking to release his power to give it to you. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. Are you still learning? Let me ask you this question. Is God everywhere? Then why can't people find him? <laughs> Since he's omnipotent and he's everywhere and knows all things, why people still can't find him? They're looking for love in all the wrong places. Because their desire is not untowards God yet. Mm. So God gives us the answer in Deuteronomy 4, 29. Turn there. You don't have to, but you can. I'm going to read this out, the Living Bible Translation. And it reads, but you will also begin to search again for Jehovah your God. And you will find him when you search for him with all your heart and soul. There's another law. See, the Bible is full of principles and laws that we just ignore. And this is a law. You won't find him unless you're searching for him with all your heart and your soul. Ooh, Jesus. Because God only responds to what is initiated. Mm. If you don't initiate it, God can't respond. Remember, Genesis 8.22 talks about as long as the earth remains, there is always going to be what? Seed, time, and harvest. So there must be a planting or an initiating before there is ever a harvest. 
And what we want God to do is to plant the seed for us and then bring the harvest too. Not going to ever happen for you. People are dying and leaving this earth because they've got wrong philosophies. They believe God can do something that they are not willing to work with him to, to get done. According to James 4, verses 2 and 3, you have what you won't have what you don't have what you don't have. You want what you whenever I'm reading the wrong thing. You want what you don't have, so you kill to get it. You long for what others have and can't afford it. So you start a fight to take it away from them. And yet the reason you don't have what you need is because what you want is that you don't ask God for it. What you want, you're not asking God for it. What you want, you're not asking God for it. You got your plan already how you're going to get it. So you don't need God's input. You're not asking God, should I buy this car? Should I buy that house? You're not asking God, should I marry this person? You already got your way of doing it. And if somebody tell you to do those things, you get offended. And then when you get in a problem, after you got what you, what you said you got from the Lord, then you get embarrassed. And instead of running to God, we run away from him. You need to run to him and say, Lord, I was wrong. I didn't hear you. I, this was my own idea. Forgive me, Lord. See, that's where you got to get. And then his wisdom can come. See, we done made this living in the kingdom too hard. And it's just as simple as brushing your teeth. He says, what you want, you're not asking me for it. And even when you do ask me for something, you don't get it because your aim, your, your motive is wrong. You want it because you're in competition. You're not, you're not desiring to use that to promote the kingdom. Ooh, Jesus. You, you're asking for your own pleasure. He gives because it's a tool that you need for the kingdom. I don't care what it is. It could be a motorcycle as long as it becomes a tool for the kingdom. He doesn't care. You can have the biggest house in, in the whole block. He doesn't care as long as it doesn't become your God. And it can be used for the kingdom. And you can promote him. But what we did, we dialed God out. And we began to respond to life just like the world. Mm. <sighs> Matthew 5, verse 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. See, th there's another law. If you're not hungering and thirsting for him, you're not going to be filled. Jesus said to ask in my name, and the Father would give it you. Have you heard this? God knows what I need. I'm saying it again. I got it in my notes several times. God knows what I need. Yeah, but God likes to know that you know. 
Because hmm. if you know what you need and God is the source, you go to the source and ask for it, you put in a request. The source don't come to you and say, here. I know when I was working in the secular world and I was a secretary, when I needed supplies, the supplies didn't come to me and say, here I am. I had to go and put in a requisition. And then they would go in and, and get whatever I need, whether it was ink, pens, paper, or uh, if, my, if my typewriter went bad. You See, there's a requisition to get a replacement. And they weren't trying to deny me. I just had to fill out the form. That form was my written request, my written asking. I need supplies. Please feel this. Because they're not coming to me and saying, well, do you need any pencils today? Do you need a typewriter? Oh, I'm helping y'all. But that's the way most believers think. When they make that statement, God knows what I need. See, that takes the responsibility off of you of asking. It's like when, the, when my uh, children were little. Mama, we need to do such and such, or you need to do such and such. I said, are you asking or are you telling me? Because depending on which one you're doing, you're going to get a different response. <laughs> <laughs> Asking is a whole different mode than you telling me. Are you, can you see the point? Mm -hmm. So we see Jesus teaching in parables. A parable is God giving you the truth, but you can't understand it until you are hungry for it. Mm. The truth is in that parable, but until you're hungry for it, it'll never reveal itself to you. Why? It's a law. And here's another law. Are you ready? Nothing is yours until you understand it. Nothing is yours until you understand it. No matter how much I know it, and I teach it to you until you make it personally yours, it's not yours. Ooh, Jesus. So you have to understand for yourself. In other words, you must take time to let this word be revealed to you on the inside. This is the reason so many believers can't get the word to work. is because what they are doing is simply saying or doing what someone else has already said and done and not what they see or hear in their spirit. And we walk away frustrated. You get excited when you hear that word. And it, it, it can be true, just like you're getting excited when you hear the word I'm teaching. But unless you go home and nurture this, it's still not yours. You don't possess it yet. I know. And what we're trying to do is take a word and get a manifestation on something we haven't possessed yet. All right, here's another principle. God will not show you what you don't want to see. 
<laughs> you don't want to see it, he won't show you. God would never tell you what you don't want to know. And God would never take you where you don't want to go. Ooh, Jesus. Look at verse 10 in Matthew 13 again. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? And he answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it is not given. So whosoever have to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. So in other words, Jesus is saying to them, Where's my notes? He says, Jesus said, The reason I don't give them the secrets clearly and I give them to you is because you left your family. Peter, you left your wife. You left your business, James and John. You abandoned your ambitions. And you have decided to be with me and follow me. You want to know something. Don't tell me you don't have time for the Lord. You are not hungry for him. These people lost, they left their families, they left their business, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus said, because you want to know something, and because you are with me, I'm going to tell you everything. I'm going to tell you the secrets of the kingdom, because you are hungry to know. <laughs> Ooh, Jesus. But them, they have not decided that they want to know. So listen, if you want to know, God has to tell you that's another law. Because when you get hungry for it, we just read it. He'll fill you. He will reveal to you. So don't tell me you're hungry for the Lord and the Lord won't tell you something. Don't lie on God. No. No, you're hungry for what you think you want. You got to go in there hungry for what he wants. Then he'll fill you with what he needs you to know. Oh, did I just make that clear? Hallelujah. If you, anybody lack wisdom according to James 1.5, it says, let him ask of God to give it to all men liberally. So you can't lie on God and say he won't give you wisdom. No, you're just not, you're just not ready to hear it. Now, getting ready to go into the area that we're going to end in in just a little bit. If you don't believe in tithing and giving, you'll never do it. And God won't force you. But I'm going to share something if, if I can get to it. Say, Pastor, get to it. All right, let me finish the rest of this then. If you don't believe in speaking in tongues, you'll never speak in tongues. And God won't force you. Hmm. Jesus said, if you don't want to know the laws that govern the kingdom, no problem. You'll never know them. He ain't angry with you. It's not personal. It's business. You don't want to know them? Hey, stay ignorant. Just keep going to a building that you call church. No, that building is not the church. You are the church. You are the ecclesia. Do you not know the word ecclesia means senate? It's a government term. You are the government of God in the earth. That's what ecclesia means. Mm. The called out summoned ones to be the senate in the earth. Ooh, Jesus. 
So if you don't want to know something about God, don't worry about it. He won't tell you. Because we're, we're talking about laws and principles that govern the kingdom of heaven. This is for people that want to know. And some of y'all listening right now, you're ready to tune me out. Inside, you've already tuned me out. That's okay. I'm not offended. Stay ignorant. You're not hurting my feelings. You're hurting yourself. Because I don't teach lies. And because your doctrine doesn't teach it, doesn't make it what I'm saying wrong. It means your doctrine is behind time. Because the Bible is, is pregnant. It's ever growing. Mm. Now remember I told you there was two first laws. One is tithing and giving. And the other one is praying in tongues. They are called the two first principles of the kingdom of heaven. And they are the two most controversial subjects between religion and the government of God. You want to get a religious person upset, start talking about tongues. You want to get born-again people that don't believe in tithes, start talking about tithing and giving. Everybody want money. Walmart's want money. You want money. Don't make it seem like the church going to run on, on, on a magic pill somewhere. Everybody need money. If not, they need to take money out of the earth. It's what runs the economy. See, ignorance would make you look so stupid. But these are the two most controversial subjects between religion and the real government of God. These, there are denominations that meet annually to discuss what their congregations will or will not be taught. Dangerous to be in places like that because all they're doing is they got a cycle. They put it in a book. And they got a cycle. They're going to teach you to say, they're not going to go beyond that. They're not asking you to learn more about God. Just learn what I'm telling you right here. Stay right here. This is all I want you to know. Doesn't matter that the Bible says you can have more than this. Doesn't matter that the Bible says praying in tongues is a kingdom law. Doesn't matter that the Bible says tithing and giving is a kingdom law. If your, if your uh, denomination doesn't teach it, they're saying you don't need that. And they're excluding God out of your life. Ooh, Jesus. Okay. There are pastors that only want to take you as far as getting born again. They're happy with everybody getting born again, but they are not going to teach tongues, and they're not going to teach tithing and giving. Got a house full of babies, born again, struggling, having issues to the eyeballs, and don't know how to get out of them because kingdom principles are not being taught. So you got to be careful. Your denomination decides what you learn and don't learn. So if you're sitting in the denomination that's not teaching tithing and giving and teaching praying in tongues and then signs, wonders, and miracles are not following and being demonstrated in the midst, you, you might need to find you a new congregation. And then you got some pastors that would teach these laws indirectly, but I put it here, they add a little cyanide, which is their tradition to which is going to cancel out the tithing and the giving. 
because they're teaching you to beg. When you are tithing a giver, you don't have to beg. You don't beg God for anything. You don't beg a man for anything. Ooh, Jesus. All right. I'm trying to get to this point. If you don't believe God will do something for you, he will never do it. So don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You'll never have it. I'm not trying to make you believe what you don't want to believe. You just won't have it. You must always, say always, get to the point where you believe it first. That's the requirement. That's another law. You must believe. Believing is seeing. Jesus said, only believe. Mm. I want you to get this. Because we got to get out of this mystical, crazy ideas about God, about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit, and the church. The church is the government of God in the earth, and the government of God operates by laws and principles. Say amen. amen. Now, not knowing why and how these two first laws work is everything or knowing why and how these two first laws work is everything to your spiritual development. Let's look at uh, Genesis 8.22 again. I'm going to close in just a moment. I know, I know I'm working with some of you. I'm, 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 touch, I'm touching your tender spot. I know. You say, I don't that lady teach long. You know what? When you're in the military, we got some men and women that have been in the military in here. You don't tell your sergeant, uh, can I go? You're you talking too long. You're in the army. You're in the military. You're under their jurisdiction. And they might have to teach you all day. Because why? They're trying to renew your mind to the way of the military. And they don't have time to call your feelings. We got to get back to wanting to come to the house of God to learn. Because you are an ambassador that's been summoned to come to the building where you learn current events about the kingdom of heaven. You're supposed to learn kingdom laws in the local embassy. Hmm. You're not supposed to learn feeling. You're supposed to learn laws that govern the kingdom. While the earth remains in seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. So as long as the earth lasts, planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never stop. So you must plant to get a harvest. Now let's look at Malachi 3. We're going into the danger zone now. Come on. So we're going into the danger zone. This is where most people get, they get ready to take their pocketbook or their wallet and walk out. Okay, Malachi 3, look at verse 6. Malachi 3, verse 6. Hmm. Okay. My notes just moved, but I got, I got my script over here. Okay. All right, let's read Malachi 3, verse 6. Read it out loud. For I am the Lord of Jacob, 
Uh-oh, wait a minute. There's a law. The law the Lord that God is committed to. He says, I won't change. That's why I haven't killed them. Because I don't change. If God ever vacillated, we Christopher critters, it doesn't matter what you say or do. Because all heaven and earth would have to stop if God ever altered or changed his word. He's living by the same law, say the same law, that he's asking you to live by. God has to work within the parameters of the governmental laws of heaven. This is why you need to know them, because they govern God too. Oh, I know I spoke a mouthful then. Because we think God is, is, can just do anything he wants to. No, God are governed by the same laws you are governed by. Mm. Verse 7, even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from mine. Mine ordinance and my ordinance have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you said, wherein shall we return? You What you mean, return? I haven't gone anywhere in your book. Hmm. Will a man rob God? That's the question. Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In what? In what? In the first law. You have robbed me in a first law principle. You can't violate a law of the kingdom of heaven and get kingdom results. I can remember coming up, they used to teach, well, if you can't tithe the 10%, get the 5%, and the Lord will bless you anyway. They just made that up. You can't find nothing like that in the Bible. And people were trying to live their life because they weren't willing to learn the law themselves. See, because there was no hunger to know God. They were just taking whatever somebody said. When you get hungry to know God, you're going to go back and restudy what I'm teaching you. Because I make mistakes in my human fallibility. I might say put the wrong word in the wrong place. Not because I'm trying to teach you error, but we make mistakes. And as I grow, the revelation grows. And we can't keep locking ourselves into old revelation. Revelation is always evolving. Woo, glory to God. He said, because you're robbing me, you're cursed. And you can't excuse that away. Because you're robbing God, you're cursed. That's a law. It's a law. I don't care what you like and don't like. It's a law. If you're robbing God, he said, not only in the tithes, but in the offering. You might tithe, but you're a stingy person. And you're not going to give God but whatever's left over. Well, you know, when I get through paying my bills, I'm going to give God this $2. No. Hmm. Getting quiet, getting quiet, getting quiet. He says, you're robbing me. So why do we tithe? Very good question. Look at verse 10. 
Bring you all the tithes into that storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, said the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. In other words, the word, let's, now let's dissect this for a minute. The word meat means solid food, not sugar-coated. Food that nourish you, the spirit man. That's the kind of food that should be in the local house. Mm. Everything being served in some places cannot be considered food. Just because it got a steeple and people go to it doesn't mean they're being fed. They could be being abused. Because they're not, they're dying of starvation, spiritual starvation. But they're so tied to those buildings because they're not hungry yet for God. Hmm. Storehouse. This is the place where provision already is. Storehouse. This is the place where provision already is. Not every place has what you need to overcome. It is the embassy where ambassadors or representatives come, receive current orders, and learn governmental activities. That's what the storehouse does. It is a place of provision. And what you need is supposed to already be there. So when you show up, I shouldn't have to give you a three-year-old watered-down milk toast sermon or lesson, because most of the people don't teach sermons to get lessons, life lessons, which boils down to don't beat your neighbor up. Talk to your neighbor right. And you walk away and still don't know how to live according to the kingdom. Mm. The word prove, I know we know it means to test. But it also means to confirm or validate the presence, the presence of something by evidence. In other words, there should be a demonstration of truth. The word should be bringing results or evidence that this place is where God has placed his approval. There should be a demonstration of signs, wonders, and miracles as a result of the word. Oh, Jesus. Did I narrow it down for you? Now, that word open means dream in Hebrew. And it means allowing access or to obtain a view of what's on the other side of something that has been closed, blocked, or obscured from your view. What is he talking about? Revelation knowledge. I'm going to, as a tithe and a giver, I got a right now ooh, to put a demand on revelation knowledge. You can't do that when you don't tithe and give. You can't get the revelation of God. That's like the parable. You'll see it, but can't see it. You'll hear it and don't understand it. Because you're stealing from the first law. Oh, Jesus. 
See, this is why we tie because we need access to the revelation of God. We need access how to operate every day in our lives. Are you ready for the word windows? It is a place of seeing from. Why? Because according to the word, I am seated in Christ. So when I begin to tithe and give, I get the opportunity to see from Lord Jesus. Y'all, 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 you're going to let me scream by myself. I get to see from my position of authority. The windows are open. Also, those windows are, 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 are moments of opportunity. I get the opportunity. Oh, Jesus. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. It says, they are moments of opportunities. I can see from the realm of hope what I ask for because I'm seated there. I am seated there. Ah, Jesus. I am, I'm not looking from the earth to heaven. I'm looking from heaven to earth. And I'm looking through the windows that God opened. Ooh, Jesus. And he's provided an opportunity, moments of opportunity. And one of those opportunities is giving. This is why giving got to become a lifestyle. Not selling and bargaining, but giving. Because as you give, windows, opportunities are open unto you to increase your visibility. <laughs> there are some things you would never see without becoming a tithe and a giver. And make it your lifestyle. Woo, Jesus. And then the word poor. I know that word poor means he's going to release the provisions unhindered. It's just like he did for the widow. It's just constantly pouring. It just poured. It's unhindered. Mm. And blessing. Oh, Jesus. Now, this is talking about the blessing. It's not talking about blessings. It's talking about the blessing. This is to show partiality. God will show partiality towards you. <laughs> Why? Because the blessing provides an abundance of favor. In other words, you God have a soft spot towards me. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, glory to God. The blessing provides a soft spot. God got a soft spot towards me. Oh, Jesus. Man, when I heard that, I'm going like, oh, my God. See, you, you can't complain about tithing and giving. There's no such thing as I can't afford it. I can't afford not to tithe and give. My whole life is depending on this. Because the first law of tithing and giving gives you access to all that God is and has. As a tither and a giver, you can put a demand on the resources of the kingdom. You have a legal right to put a demand on the resources. Mm. I'm getting ready to close. I know this is my third one. But Luke 6, 38, you don't have to turn there. It says, give. And it shall be given unto you. Good measure. See, God is waiting for us to just get this principle working in our lives. Go home and nurture this. Because as you give, you'll stop complaining when you understand what I'm teaching you today. You'll stop complaining about giving and what you got and don't have. 
and you'll see windows of opportunities to keep sowing. Why? Because every time you give and sow, it's expanding your visibility. Ooh, Jesus. The window gets wider and wider, and the more you know about the kingdom, the things just keep coming, and the poor just keep right on going, and it never ceases. Glory to God. Did you learn anything today? Come on, stand to your feet. We're getting ready to receive the tithe and the offering.